Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Good morning, church. How good to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Today I'm speaking to you on God's transformation. And that may be a little bit misleading to you because God doesn't need to be transformed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I want to talk to you about God's method, God's way, God's pattern of transformation. Because remember, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is what we want to proceed to do. This is what uh, God has put in my heart and what he wants me to share with you. So uh, if you would join me in prayer. Father, we're always before you. And you know us all by name. Today, O Lord, let your power show forth through your word which you've placed within me, Lord. It accomplished its mission that it might not return to you void. Bless this time together we have, Father. Let us hear from your heart. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and thank you for it. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 4 with me, if you would. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to start reading around verse 20. Paul has been talking here about our Christian walk, how we are to live before the Lord. And he's saying, don't do it like the Gentiles do. And at that time, that that was a bad name. Because they lived any way they wanted to, carousing and partying and living this way and all kinds of debauchery. And Paul says, that's not the way you ought to live. But in verse 20, he says this. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self in accordance with the lust of deceit, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, and has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Hallelujah. So here again, we find another passage of Scripture that talks about being renewed in our minds. And it's not the only two. There's others. Why is this so important? Because God knows who we are and what we face. I sometimes think that we don't really know what we face. And that becomes the problem. And I believe God wants to speak to us today in this and so that we might understand who we are. So to do that, let's first talk about what is the, the mind? What is this thing that sits between your ears? I mean, I'll let you judge after I get through saying a few things here. But I want you to think about it. We're being asked to renew this right up here. And it's difficult. 
sometimes it's just downright hard to do. And so we struggle, and yet the command is still, be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're going to talk about how you do that in a moment. But you see, let's get a few things about our mind here. Do you know that we are incredibly made? Everybody knows that, right? I hope so. Praise God. And besides that, our minds consume several thousand thoughts every single hour. Yeah. Consume several thousand thoughts every hour. Every form of media you hear, everything that someone says around you, every thought that you have, all that is going through your mind and is coming forth over and over and over. Several thousand times an hour. This is our mind. We also know that our mind has absolutely no limits. No limits. If that's so, George, then what's holding me back from renewing my mind? Is there an approach to it? Oh, I can't. No, I, I can't do that. No, I, I don't believe that. No, I, I'm not, I can't go there. I can't go there. No. It's our own not wanting to do the simple things that God gives us. Our, our, our Mind is also a sponge. It takes everything it hears into it. Rejects nothing. And when you think over your lifetime, all that you have heard, all that you have seen, everything that's been about, it's coming to you and taking place in your mind. Think about that for a moment. Because it doesn't reject anything. The problem is that when these things come, however, into your mind, they don't come in chronological order or according to topic or anything else. They just flood your brain. It's left up to you to try to de- de- you know, to departmentalize them, to put them someplace where all the topics are here and this is that and that so forth. So that, too, works in our brain and in our mind to keep us where we cannot fully understand how it is that God wants me to run. They say that confession is good for the soul, and this morning I thought you knew. Some of the most pleasurable times I've ever spent in my life were in the arms of another man's wife. She was my mother. But do you recognize inside of you what took place when I said that? Did you understand what happened there? You see, some of you got big eyes. 
And somebody was foaming at your mouth like, did he really say that? The mind, unfortunately, that we have wants to think the worst first. That's why gossip is so bad. Gossip is it, it, that someone comes to you and talks to you about something. You know, you had a pretty good impression of that person they're talking about. And all of a sudden, what? You can't believe it. And you start thinking the worst. Even after they've told you what it is, you go beyond that and think other things. Oh, what did I do? You know. This is the mind we have. This is the beast that we have to come up against if we're going to be transformed in the renewing of our mind. It's not some puny little thing we just push a button and it moves aside. This is something that demands attention. You see, I, as a dad with a daughter, I'm well aware of the fact that when she's gone for a long time and she hasn't come home by the time she said, um, where is she? What's going on? Why doesn't she call? What am I going to do? And we think the very worst possible thoughts, not realizing she may be in a prayer group somewhere and she put her phone aside so they can spend time with God alone. And Dad's at home thinking all this other stuff. No, uh-uh. but that's what we do. Are you understanding me, church? Let's talk a little bit more about what happens and what, what this mind is all about. Because you see, Every thought that you have creates a highway in your brain. Every thought that you have. We start out before birth. That's right, I said before birth. As a child in the womb, if it hears loud bangs and clanging things continually starting, or if you play music that's pleasing or something challenging like Mozart or Bach, the baby hears that. It, it hears that. It begins to form something within that baby so that when he comes out of the womb, there's some kind of a form of recognition within it that can't be defined yet, but it is a person. As a child, what's the first thing we do? There's an argument between mom and dad, which was going to be said first, mama or dada. And so you say it over and over and over again to that baby. And you begin creating an eight-lane eight highway in that brain. You just go, come forth. We do the same thing when we teach them how to tie their shoes, put on their clothes or anything else. We repeat it, we repeat it, we repeat it. And so what happens is there's these great eight-lane highways in our brain that are so, just so made and have been so repetitive that it gets to a point in our life we don't even have to think about some of the things we do. Walk down the street, you don't have to think, you just start walking. Put on your shoes, you don't think, you just put on the shoes. It's not a heavy process. You've already ingrained it within your mind. But here's the problem. When we have thoughts, when we have thoughts, 
we have this highway that's going on here, but the problem is, have you ever had your brain, or your, your mouth speak something before your brain engages? You're standing somewhere and you're talking about <laughs> making fun of or, or talking bad about somebody that's a couple of yards away. They're, they've got their back to you. And you're saying, look at that person, the way they dress. They look like a bum. Only to have them turn around as your best friend. Your mouth speaks before your brain engages. Is that a problem for anybody besides, well, I can do that. This is how our brain works. And it is so powerful that God has created. It, it's in charge of this whole thing here. He takes care of my heartbeat. He takes care of my breathing. He takes care of if I put my finger, I feel the pain. It's a mind only it could be brought into this world by God. And it is a mind that God has given us so that we would walk in the things of the Lord. But it's not that easy with God. We're going to get to that. I want you to understand, this mind is a powerful thing, and it is able to control us beyond what we even imagine. So it is an enemy of us. It's an enemy. It's something that is always there, and <clears throat> it, it becomes a problem at times. Have you ever sat down and uh, tried to read God's Word or spend a few minutes in prayer? seems like every thought and lynch bug comes into your brain. And you're trying so hard. God, oh yeah, i got to take that salad tomorrow. Oh God, I want so much from you. you what? Oh, oh yeah, i got to remember to get the grocery list. And, and before you know it, you've got all this stuff running through your brain, and you never have a breakthrough to get into God. Anybody beside me have that problem sometimes? Again, that's our brain. It doesn't want you to break into God because it has been corrupted. It has been completely destroyed, basically, from the fall of Adam. It's not the same anymore. It's that object now that becomes our enemy that we have to fight against and war against that we might show it who is the real boss. And it's not an easy battle. But you see, every time a thought comes, it's a thought from God. What happens? It has to overcome that eight-lane highway you've been thinking all these years in your life. You grow up and you get a belief in God. You have a certain doctrine or something that you believe in. And, and that's just you. And any teaching, anything that comes against what you believe, you will resist. Furthermore, science has proven to us that if you have a particular thought in your brain and someone comes to you and says, this is wrong and this is why, and they prove it, that's wrong. 
you would think we would say, all right, hallelujah, I'm set free from that bad thing. No. They tell us that we get more ingrained than ever in what we thought. How dare they challenge me? This is some kind of brain. It's God's brain. It ought to be at his, his uh, availability. It needs to be available to God. So here we have Every time a new thought or anything comes into your brain, it's got to deal with all the highways going this way or that way with the other thoughts that you've already formed. Because the first time you hear something, you start forming another word. So, knowing this, what can we do The rule would tell you this. What you need to do, son, is take a lotus position, cross your fingers, sing chants, and get rid of all that junk in your brain. Garbage. Corruptible stuff. Has anybody tried that yet? My question is, once you get rid of all the garbage, what are you going to put into it? That's God's method? Absolutely not. But God does believe that we should meditate upon His Word. What do I mean by meditate upon His Word? I mean you sit down and when you get ready to have a devotional time with God, you pick out a short passage of Scripture and you read it. And then you meditate on that Word Remember, when you meditate, there comes the thought. Every time a thought comes, though, you go back to the Word and read it again. And you read it again. And you read it again. Until the thoughts get less and less and back off finally. So that now you're meditating upon the Word of God. That's God's preferred way to do it. It's not hard. It takes a little time. It's not, God, bless me, my family, us four, no more, and off to work. Or at the end of the day, as you're lying almost asleep, oh, God, I forgot to pray. Oh, bless this family today. It's going to take you some time. It's going to take some effort. But it's a simple thing that God asks of us when you come to think about what it is that he's asking. Has anybody here at all ever tried any kind of meditation? We got a few here that's tried that. I won't ask about the success. It's just not my business. Don't need to know. But if you would turn to the book of Joshua, book number six in the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, chapter one. Joshua. Chapter one. Moses, one of the greatest men of the Bible, has died. He was the one who made all kinds of excuses that, Lord, I can't speak, I can't do this, I can't do that. And God says, go. 
and was and he brought Israel out of Egypt captivity through the sea to the point they were at the promised land, but they didn't listen to what he said. Even Moses himself did a bad thing because instead of speaking to the rock, he struck it twice. It was costly. So here's Moses, and Joshua's been sort of his sidekick, the person that helped him throughout the day, always walked around him and kept around him. And now Moses is dead. And Israel is again right across from stepping into the promised land. And Joshua's out there one day, and God shows up. I love it when God shows up. Hallelujah. God shows up. And he says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you be strong and courageous. Okay? Strong and courageous. Why did God say that to him? He's basically saying, in essence, don't stress out about this. I've got this prepared. I've got this prepared. And he speaks to him, and I want you to see what he says here in verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all that the law which Moses, thy servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. That's God's command. Sound easy to you? If Joshua was here, he'd probably say, "Uh, I don't know about that. You see, we need to understand that God's wisdom starts with the beginning of Genesis and ends in Revelation. The whole book is God's wisdom. And in it, we find out what his opinion is about everything and anything. And his opinion is the only one that matters. So here we are. we got Joshua here, and he's, he's before God, and... Do you see what God said to him? Well, here, let's hear it again. Because you have to understand, God doesn't do anything in this. You do. That's what he said. He said in verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, you will be for you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. You ever wonder why you struggle in life? You ever wonder why sometimes the the things just don't fall the right way for you? How much you've been meditating on his word. How much have you been placing within you the word of God? 
See, God's not concerned about taking the trash out. Okay, not a bit. Don't worry about the trash. It's going to go. God says, I want you to meditate upon my word day and night. And therefore, as you go forward, you will be prosperous and have success. That's his blueprint. That's it. It's it's better than that. It's better than that. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want you to see here the word of the Lord. First Corinthians chapter two. Listen to the word of the Lord. In verse six, he starts out by saying, "Yet we do that we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are passing away." But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. Hello. In a mystery. Are you speaking about God in a mystery? The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. Jump to verse 10. For to us, God has revealed these things through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except, even the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is from God. So that we may know, not wonder, not speculate, not think about or imagine, but that we might know. We might know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man, an unsaved person, does not accept, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we. But we, 
but we have the mind of Christ. Wait a minute now. You know this mind that's in here, this beast I'm fighting. And you're telling me I have the mind of Christ? Yes. The question is, do you believe it? Do you believe it? He has talked to us in, in mysteries that we might expound in the Spirit to the brethren. He has taught us freely everything that we need to know that He's done for us. He has been there through thick and thin to lead us and guide us along the way because we have the Spirit of God. We have the mind of God. Which means we are able, therefore, by the way of the Spirit, who searches even the depths of God, to be able to understand and hear and know the heart of God. What's running through his brain. What his opinion is. He's done that for us. He's given it to us. So now that we know that we have the mind of Christ, how much easier it should be to meditate upon his word. So that we might be prosperous and we might succeed. Again, if you struggle through life, maybe this is the key to your turning around. It definitely is in the spirit. It'd all be nice if we could all go back and live it over again based on what we already know. But we can't do that. But we can go forward because, and we don't have to be afraid. Because as far as wondering about what is in the future, don't worry about it. Jesus has already been there. And he knows. And he brings to us. And he instructs us. How wonderful that is. But we have to fill our minds with the things of God for it to make any difference. Too often, folks, in the church, saying you necessarily, we're all good here, right? Amen. But, too often we fill our minds with everything and anything that is unpure. We allow the media every day, television, radio, music, whatever it is, to put into our minds all kinds of things that do not glorify God. All they bring to us is fear. And when we think about the future, we say, oh, man, what's going to happen now? Because we've taken the fear given us and we've magnified beyond what it really is, and therefore we are done. But that's not God. That's not his formula. You see, if all we do is eat junk food, that's all we ever eat is junk food. What kind of condition are you going to be in pretty soon? Overweight? Miserable? Can't hardly get around? And can't hardly breathe at all? The same holds true with our, our mind. You've got to put in it something that's worthy. Something that will build you up and, and make your muscle, your, your mind full of lean muscle. Powerful, ready to act in the presence of God. This is what God wants. 
He wants us to understand that I've given you everything you need right here. Cover to cover. Meditate about it. Meditate about it. And thereby you shall be prosperous and succeed. There's no better way than that. That's God's formula. That's the way God does it. And Do you understand what the word meditate means? As I said, it's not somebody, you know, the lotus position crossed their fingers chanting a bunch of things. The word meditate in Hebrew means this. To growl and declare. And it's likened to a lion that's just made a kill. And he's standing over it. He goes, to let the world know, I'm still king and I've got mine. Meditate means to growl and declare. So what's this talking about? It means as as you're meditating upon the word of God and and you're reading a passage that says, and the love of God is forever. Growl in yourself. Yeah. I feel that love. I know that love. And I'm going to declare this love. I've got that love. I'm going to tell everybody about that love because it's forever. That's what you do. You see, you don't just meditate on something and let it just flow over your brain. You have to act upon it. You have to do something with what you see, what you hear, and what you gives you, what God gives you understanding in His Spirit. There used to be a commercial on television where they used to say it's a terrible thing to waste a mind. And they were talking about education. Well, I'm saying to you, too, it's a terrible thing to waste your mind on garbage, corruption, defilement that only brings fear in you, breaks you down. What we need is to fill our lives and meditate upon the Word of God. Growl and declare it. Don't just speak it out loud so your ears hear it and can receive it and can believe it. But speak it out to everybody you know. Now, this probably won't happen, but when you go out with your best friend and they're not saved, and you're talking with them, just talk suddenly and go, Oh, I declare the love of God. They may not stay with you anymore. But you have done what it says to do. Meditate upon the Word of God. This is what God wants. This is what God has prescribed for us. This is what He tells us. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it talks about the fact that we don't have to worry about clothing. We don't have to worry about what we eat. We don't have to worry about what we drink. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Do you believe that? When it comes to the end of the month and you're not quite sure you have enough to pay rent, when you walk into a doctor's office and you're fearful what he's going to say, do you believe that? Seek Him first. 
all these things. Prosperity, being a success is all there when we seek him first. Perhaps God will have me speak more on this at some other time, but there's one thing that we can do today. And this is the beginning of the transformation. Turn back to Romans 12 again. Turn back to Romans 12. If you look at verse 2, it says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. It starts out with the word and, which means something has preceded it. So go with me to verse 1. He says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present yourselves a living and holy sacrifice, which is your to God, acceptable and holy to God which is your spiritual service of worship. The first thing you've got to do in this process is to present yourself before God as a living, holy, and acceptable sacrifice. After that, we can pray. But you see, we've got to do that which he has told us to do first. And the first thing we've got to do is go before God and say, God, I'm laying myself on the altar. From this point, it doesn't make any difference what I think. It doesn't make any difference what desires I have. It doesn't make any difference whatever comes into my being. But you, Lord, are my God. You, Lord, are he who has ransomed me and saved me and declared me to be holy. So I lay myself on the altar and I don't lose any more. I don't do my thing, but I always consult with you first. That's covenant living, folks. When you're in a covenant with someone, my wife will tell you, if I go out and buy a brand new car and don't even consult with her about it, I wouldn't be here today. <laughs> I'd be in the dog, I'd be under the dog collar. But how often do we do that to one another? You see, before we do things like that, we have to consult with God. What's your will, Father? What is it that you would have me do? God may say, well, you just messed up my whole plan. I had John over here going to give you a car, and you went out and bought one. You understand what I'm saying? This is what we are to do. The faithless beast called our own. And we knew them. And we knew them. We knew them. Amen? Father, 
we admit to one another and to you that oftentimes we make things more complex than they really are. We look at things that need to be done and we say, that's, that's just too much. I can't do it. But Father, your word has declared to us today that not only can we do it, we can be overcomers. We are overcomers in Christ Jesus. We are changed into his likeness. And we do have prosperity and we walk in success because we know you are with us, and your word is engrafted into our hearts. Thank you, Father. Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. We forever praise the name of God. We receive your goodness. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.